The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think I like Mike Brown. He goes the other way, not necessarily for any reason. I've heard owners complain about it. He votes against everything. He's like Mikey from the Life Cereal commercial. That is a dated reference. Mikey won't eat it. He hates everything. Mike Brown's always voting against everything. So maybe he'll maybe he'll give him a little a little twist. A little Mike, M- Mikey a likes little, Joe Burrow. I know. We know that. <laughs> Well, Mikey is now on deck to the extent that Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow were waiting for each other to be the first to take the plunge. And that was the prevailing thought in league circles. One of them has taken the plunge. Yeah. Justin Herbert has his new contract. What that means for Burrow and for others. We'll be discussing that over the course of the next two hours. The show is PFT Live. It's Wednesday morning, July 26. We say good morning to our audience enjoying the program on Peacock, Sirius XM 85, Sky Sports Action. It's it's delayed. It's a few hours after we're live, but that's okay. Folks love watching us in the UK and in Ireland. I say hello to Chris Sims. I'm Mike Florio, and I just realized for the first time since the return of our hiatus, I actually took the time to tell people what the show is where it can be seen and heard, and I think I covered all bases, except for the podcast, of course. Hello to the podcast audience, listening whenever, wherever, and however they choose. I didn't even realize it. You're right. You haven't done that the last few days, but hi, Mike. Yes, uh, you're right. You you totally skipped that over, but we'll give you like a two-day grace period. It's day three, back after the break. It's okay. You're back in the swing of things, being a professional host now once again. So, And man, we got some stuff to talk about today. Holy crap. A little tired, you know? Had the uh, engagement dinner, or, you know, my anniversary dinner last night, all that. Had some fun. That was good. Uh, but uh, I was, like, sitting there, you know, at the dinner with the wife. And, of course, like, that's the day. Yeah, that's the time that everything in the freaking NFL world starts to break. So I'm sitting there eating a nice dinner in New York City with my wife. And I'm like, oh, man, my phone's blowing up. Oh, man, my phone's blowing up. And, you know, she's like, what's going on? I was like, I don't know. It's blowing up. And, you know, so I, I had to deal with that a little bit and sneak a few peeks in on the phone, the text thread, some other people texting with. So uh, it was a good night altogether. 
Where did you take your wife for your 19th anniversary dinner? We went to, all right, so when we go into New York City, we usually go big time or bougie, you know, big time, like real awesome restaurant. We went to a place, uh, you know, in, in Midtown, right, on right off of kind of Madison Ave. It's called, it's called Danielle. It's a French restaurant. It's spelled Daniel, you know, but it's called Danielle. Been there before. You know, Michelin stars, whatever. It's a, what, a Daniel Bolaga. I think he's the chef that runs Danielle. Uh, but, yeah, phenomenal, Mike. French restaurant. It's one of my wife's favorite, and uh, we had a good time. So you've been there before. This wasn't something where you just started going through the phone book or, to the extent there are phone books anymore, Google, and found a restaurant that is pronounced the same as your wife's no, name. Yeah, yeah, at no. least for history there. <laughs> I am, like, that dumb to do that, yes, on a, <laughs> on a usual basis, right? But, no, this one is kind of a staple of, you know, high society, great French restaurant, been around in New York City for a long time, and, uh, yeah, it was a great meal. You know, you pay for it, of course, that's for sure. But, yeah, phenomenal. And, you know, one of those places, Mike, like, this like let me paint a picture for you first off like the bar and the little lounge is like it just couldn't be more plush and beautiful but like as you're walking in right like here's what happened last night I'm walking in and there's like three guys getting out of a Rolls Royce right as the chauffeur's opening the door with them and they are like immaculately dressed in suit and tie and all that so that's what kind of place this is there uh, you know in a heart of the area in New York City where they kind of call billionaires row now did did you wear a jacket to the restaurant? I did not. No, no. That was something that we did check on before. I Like the first time I went a few years ago, I wore the jacket and did all that. But I noticed that like you don't have to. And in New York City, a lot of those restaurants, as long as you're presentable, you know, they don't they they don't hold, you know, they're they're not too strict with stuff like that. So just a button down shirt, my usual kind of look that you see me in. Uh I I didn't go too crazy. The wife, she wore something buttoned pretty down, buttoned up. Yeah, buttoned down, buttoned, 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 buttoned up. up. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. But yeah, it was a I, good I'm time. just I'm glad they don't require jackets because I can't imagine they keep one around. Big enough to fit you. No, no, we've been screwed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They'd be like, all yeah. right, sir. Your jackets only, uh, you got to leave. Wait right Sorry. here. <laughs> yeah. We're, yeah. we're going to go find the 48 extra long, and uh, we'll be right back. Okay. Um, speaking of clothing, and, and I, I just thought of this as I was grabbing the closest and the cleanest polo shirt to put on for today. It does have a Nike logo on it, and someone reminded me last week, I was doing this whole anti-Nike rant about how they've screwed up the uniforms with these alternate looks, and most recently the Broncos, instead of wearing their old lighter blue helmet with the D on it like they could do now, they're wearing a white helmet, and it's just all this Nike this, Nike that. I did my rant last week wearing a shirt with a Nike logo, and I have another shirt with a Nike logo <laughs> today, but but just because I own apparel that happens to have a Nike logo on it does not waive my ability to complain about Nike screwing up NFL uniforms, so there's that. So So while I try on one hand, or literally on my chest, to get us a Nike endorsement deal... I piss it away yeah, by ya. complaining about right. Nike screwing right. up NFL uniforms. Well, we lost Google and the you know Android and all that yesterday. We lost no, Nike we didn't. today. No, you did. You did <laughs> I that. Did. Okay. You did that. All right, good. Okay. Oh, I thought we were a team. Now you're just saying it's me. I was going with we. You know, we lost Nike. We I lost... tried to save it. All right. Well, it's too late. I screwed it over. <laughs> yes.
All right. Uh, anything else? We've only wasted six minutes of the show. Anything else happening? No, I don't. I, don't, I, I didn't know you to, ranted about the Nike business. uniform thing. I, yeah, I'm, I'm on the opposite end of that conversation. I kind of like what Nike's been doing. You know, I am a hoarder, as they may say, of Nike stuff. I do like that a lot. But I, I'm, you know, I, I understand like what you're saying. I like the traditions, too, and we're seeing that. Uh, but I, I like that they've brought a little flair to some certain uniforms, like the Bengals wearing the white helmets last year and doing that. Oh, I mean, we can agree some of I'm them are pretty that. damn good, right? Yeah, yeah. What What triggered me last week was they made the Colts look like yeah. you know, Tennessee State or Duke, or I mean, <laughs> yeah, they're like taking Duke, these NFL right. uniforms and creating an alternate that makes them look like mid-level college programs. I, like I hear the, you there. The Lions' new look—they look like Memphis State, like. I know there's only so much you can do with these colors. Maybe you just do what you've always been doing or find something as a throwback, not as an alternate. Yeah, anyway, I, I hear my, you there. My big concern is yeah. this. Yeah. Now that they have allowed players to wear two helmets instead of one, because they had this, I never understood it, this idea that there's some sort of concussion prevention benefit to wearing the same helmet, literally the same helmet, not the same model, but the same helmet. Oh, you're long. Makes no sense. Made no sense. Will make no sense. But now that you've crossed that bridge into two, what's to say yeah, it's not going to be four. three? The Eagles have already tried to get it to three. And then you got Oregon, yeah, where it's a different helmet and a different jersey and a different set of pants every damn week, and you don't know what team it is. That's I what hope, I'm trying if that to happens, avoid. Yes, I'll be please get off my lawn. Yeah. I'm yelling at a cloud. I don't <laughs> want to have to stop and think who I'm watching. I yeah. want to know right away which team it is. Yeah. That pisses me off when it comes to college, and I don't want the NFL to be that way. Rant over. All right, good one, though. I, I, I'm with you there. I'll back you up on that one. All right, so tomorrow I'll, I'll wear a, a Under Armour or Reebok or Garanimals shirt <laughs> uh, to avoid the free advertising. For Nike, no advertising necessary for Justin Herbert. He doesn't need any revenue other than his NFL pay. He has cashed in with a five-year extension with a value of the extension of $262.5 million. He's got two years left on his current deal, year four and the fifth-year option. These five years get tacked on to the end. He's under contract for seven years. The new money average is $52.5 million, puts him just a little bit above Lamar Jackson, but remember, Lamar Jackson's got a fresh five years. Yeah. He doesn't have two years he's got to do before then. His is live now. It's new money and actual value at signing. I'm waiting for the full Justin Herbert numbers, but the actual value at signing will be less than 52.5. New money, the number that the agents care about, it's how they one-up each other, and that's what they're doing now. Jalen Hurts, 51 Lamar Jackson, 52. Yeah, right. Justin Herbert, 52-5. Right. And now Joe Burrow's going to get 53, 54, 55 or more. So, wait. You're, I want to just get this straight, too. He, It is seven years, the, the, that part of it? It's not yes. – Okay. All right. I didn't know if the fifth-year option was included in that or not. I wasn't sure how that exactly worked there, Mike. So, thanks for clearing that up for me. But, like, I mean, come on. You and I, I mean, we, we were talking about this all spring. I, I mean, shocked? Of course not. 
Uh, we knew this was coming down the pipe. And, you know, kudos to Justin Herbert, the Chargers getting it done. We know Herbert's phenomenal. I mean, Herbert's got, you know, superstar potential, superstar talent right now. We're just waiting for that moment or that thing to go, ooh, he's in the mix with Mahomes and Burrow and Allen and Jalen Hurts. And, you know, he hasn't had that game or that moment or that season yet where we've talked about MVP. But I don't think any of us doubt his talent and that he can get there. So not surprised at all. And I give him credit too, Mike, for, you know, in the pantheon of quarterbacks in the world we're in right now, he got to go first. Yeah, that's the way it is. You should go first. He should know right now that, yes, in his mind, yeah, I'm bet- he probably thinks he's better than Joe Burrow, but the NFL world doesn't believe that, and that Joe Burrow is going to get you know the, 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 the last licks in this department as far as the contract's concerned. So he gets it done. It's off the table. He doesn't have to worry about it, and now we see what Burrow gets with the Charger, I mean with the Bengals, and we see where it all goes from there. And this is one that... I was able to calculate fairly quickly because what he was due to make this year, $8.5 million. Next year, under the fifth-year option, $29.5 million. When you add that up with the two sixty-two point five, you get $300.5 million over seven years. You divide that by seven, the average at signing, the value at signing, and this is what pisses the agents off, and I don't care because this is the true value of a seven-year contract. There is no such thing as a five-year extension. There is no contract where you have to suffer through the next two years before you unlock the new money. The existing deal gets ripped up and replaced by a brand-new contract worth $300.5 million and covering seven years. So the average at signing is $42.9 million, which is a far cry from fifty-two point five, Chris. Yeah, no, it, it is. You know, there, there's. That's why I was, I was interested to hear your breakdown there, because in this scenario, I thought there might be. Wait, maybe there, the fifth-year option won't be a part of this, and maybe it's really a, you know, a six-year contract. I, I wasn't sure how that was going to break down there, but uh, either way, it's it's life-changing money. We know that. You know, I, I, I yeah, I'm not going to lie. I was, I was thinking it might be a bigger number than that altogether. I wasn't sure. You know, again, this is a guy that's really young and just starting the prime of his career. And, you know, football, we are a sport for some reason that pays people for what they did do as compared to other sports where they, I feel like they pay them for what they're about to do. I thought Justin Herbert might up the ante on this whole quarterback thing a little bit more than this number. I mean, it's a huge number, of course. Jaw drops when you see it. It's huge. But I, I was thinking, man, eh, maybe it might creep up there and, you know, blow up the market a little bit to make it, you know, a, a little bigger for, for the rest of the quarterbacks. Well, and this is one of the realities that is affecting the running back market. This is one of the things the union complained about on the call on Saturday night. Agents are so concerned about marketing that they inflate deals. They make things seem bigger than they are, and that makes the eyes bigger of the next guys up. So you're thinking 52 and a half, 52 and a half, 52 and a half, and in this case, the reality is 42.9, 42.9, 42.9 with a seven year commitment, which means, and we know how these go with quarterbacks, the market will pass this by. 52 and a half will be as irrelevant as Jimmy Garoppolo's 27 and a half was when he went from being the highest paid player in league history for about a month until Kirk Cousins signed with the Vikings at 28. That, by the time the deal was over, was middle of the pack. 
And that's where Herbert will be in a few years. But with a seven-year commitment, that's the question. When do you renegotiate the deal? And that will be something that we look at three, four, five years from now. Yeah, right. So my understanding, I haven't seen the numbers yet. Yeah. But what I heard last night is there's some cash flow aspects of this that will be difficult for Mike Brown and the Bengals to match. So there may be, when we do the full apples-to-apples final comparison, Herbert and Burrow – There may be aspects of the Herbert deal that are better than what Burrow has because Brown can't fork over the cash. Can't give him $150 million in two years or something. The Chargers can't. Right, 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 right. Yeah, so, I, we'll I, see. Yeah, that, I mean that's that's always been a thing that you know we've talked about. I think you even alluded to it yesterday a little bit with the the Bengals and cash at hand, and you know, hey, that's a big thing in the NFL. It's it's a thing that I've learned a lot more about since I got done playing. You know, yeah, owners cash their ability to pay signing bonuses or big amounts of money within a calendar year or two calendar years. Yeah, not all owners are created equal in that department, so there are some advantages to be had. But yeah, that'll be interesting to see the breakdown of the money, what he gets up front you know I would think with the seven-year extension and all that yeah that we're going to see a signing bonus that's going to make us say wow or we're going to see a cash flow in the first year here Mike that you usually break down on the website that's going to be like whoa this is uh you know groundbreaking for 12 14 months for anybody to make this type of money uh be interested to see if it, it happens to what you're saying here And here's the problem with that. When you load a bunch of the cash early into the deal, that gets forgotten. Those checks are deposited, and all you're thinking about is what you're making going forward. So the more of that money that gets paid out early, the lower the salaries are going to be later. And by the time you get to year three, four, five, and you look at what he's due to make, it's very easy to say, this guy's getting screwed because we've all forgotten about what he's already got squirreled away somewhere yeah we're just looking at what he's getting this year in comparison to what others are getting and that's when you start jostling for more money and chris i think to something you said earlier about quarterbacks getting paid for what they did i think the reality is with the quarterback position there's a greater correlation between what you've done and what you will do you set a bar and once we see a quarterback able to perform at a certain level history tells us He's not going to fall off the cliff. Yeah, right. That rarely happens. Right, right. Did with Russell Wilson in a big way, but that was rare. Get him back on the cliff this year. Usually, it is once you've shown you can play at a high level, you continue to play at a high level. And the only question is, do you get passed by by others while you still play at that high level? But it's not like you're going to all of a sudden go dramatically the other way and make the team say, when in the hell can we get out of this deal? Yeah, no, you're, you're exactly right. That, that is true. And, and yeah, if there's anything here, this is going to be more like, you know, like you are explaining a minute ago, it's going to be more like the Mahomes contract probably five years from now, four years from now. We're going to go, whoa, wait, I'm only getting paid this, what, whatever. But you make the right point. I mean, we know this is, these are, this is where this league is awesome right now. I mean, yeah, we still got Aaron Rodgers and Jalen Hurts jumped on the scene. But, you know, yeah, I look at it with Burrow, Mahomes, Allen, um, uh, you know, Herbert, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, we're, we're, we're starting here where th- these guys are going to be around for the next 12, 14 years. 
We're in a special era here where these guys, you know, the, 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 the top five of my quarterback rankings, I think they're all Hall of Fame type talents. This isn't just like, ooh, we think he can be pretty good. These are guys where you go, holy crap. I haven't seen one this big that can throw it like this and then be that smart and make this many good decisions and throw the ball on the run. And Herbert's just a phenomenal talent like that. He's like the, you know, he just, the, the I, I told you, I think one of the best pocket passing quarterbacks in football, if not the best, probably the most consistent mechanics when we broke it down in my quarterback breakdown and all that, Mike. So, yeah, this one is like, duh, you got one. Sign him up. You know, set up your franchise, and hopefully they can build something here around Justin Herbert for a long time. And as we discussed yesterday with Deshaun Watson in Cleveland, once you make that major investment in the quarterback, if things don't work, it can't be the quarterback's fault. You've got to reshuffle the pieces around the quarterback. So I think in a strange sort of way, Chris, this deal puts more pressure on head coach Brandon Staley, not less. This doesn't... This doesn't allow him to exhale. It allows Herbert to exhale to a certain extent. He's he's achieved his life-changing generational wealth. But for the head coach, I think he knows we got to do a little bit more than we did last year. Getting to the playoffs and blowing a huge lead in the wild card round is not going to be enough for 2023 because there's plenty of buzzards circling out there around that Chargers job. Yeah, we know it's it. just a matter of time before, and I don't mean buzzards in a pejorative sense but I guess I do because there's nothing good about buzz- buzzards other than they clean up messes but the buzzards have been circling Brandon Staley and it's only going to get more crowded in the airspace over the Chargers as potential head coaches guys who may be changing teams guys who may be jumping from college working their way up the ranks whatever the case may be eyeball that as a place to go because it begins and ends with a franchise quarterback. A hundred, a hundred. I mean, you, you, you're right. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's LA. That's going to be, you know, a spot people want to be in major media market. You got the quarterback. Like you said, we heard all the rumors in the off season, Sean Payton, Jim Harbaugh. They were all hovering. The, they were the buzzards. You're talking about a little bit. there, hovering over the, the LA sports scene a little bit. You got that. You got an organization in the Chargers that hasn't won a Super Bowl. Head coaches love that. They can be the the one that brings you up. There's really nowhere to go down. Coaches love that. So, yeah, it's a big year for the Chargers. We know they got a ton of talent on their team on paper. They're a playoff team. We know that, right? Brandon Staley, you know, there's, there's, uh, uh, hey, he, he, I feel bad for him in some ways. He made his bet in some ways as far as going for it and fourth down so much in the year one that I feel like that put him under the spotlight or the microscope a little bit more. Year two, you know, they sign the team, they make all these big free agency acquisitions, and then the injury bug. I mean, it's hit the Chargers before Brandon Staley, with Brandon Staley, whatever, but they were decimated by injury and hung in there last year. But yes, with that talent, what they're spending in this quarterback, I'm with you, Mike. This is this is a big year for Brandon Staley to, to make sure he can solidify himself for the as the Chargers head coach for a little while. Chargers haven't won a Super Bowl, but they've been to one. 29, they were blown out, sir, by the San Francisco 49ers. Bengals have been to three and haven't won one. They are, as we said earlier, on deck now. They're not on deck. They're in the batter's box. Oh, they are. 
Mike Brown. It's time to dig deep. It's time to search the couch cushions. It's time to bust open that mason jar and count up the coins and take it to the bank and have them put put it in that big-ass machine and roll it into into papers with, with uh, nickels, dimes, and quarters. Here is Mike Brown talking about the simple question of the priority for getting Joe Burrow and other great players like T. Higgins and Jamar Chase signed to long-term extensions. Well, it's uh, pretty obvious uh, that uh, Joe is the heart of the matter. And uh, after that, uh, we want all the guys we can get, but uh, we may have to uh, go short in a couple cases. Yeah, look, hey, and th- look, I-, I made this argument a few weeks back. I can't remember whether it was before or during our hiatus, but it occurred to me at some point, and this ties into all the hoopla over the schedule and how the NFL wants to see where the dust settles on quarterback movement before they decide what games are going to be showcased in prime time to elevate the shield, to elevate the brand, to put the best games out there and get the biggest audiences. The franchise quarterbacks are the ones who make it happen. The franchise quarterbacks have far greater value to the game than they ever receive from their teams. And the salary cap is the thing that gets the teams in a position where they can maybe squeeze the guy to take less. You got Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City who is happily underpaid with the idea that that money is going to be used to put a great team around him. And now just that comment from Mike Brown. You don't have to say it clearly. All you have to do is allude to it. The message is, hey, Joe, if you're a pig, you're not going to have your other little piglets running around that can help you win football games. You can't eat all the, the whatever the slop is they give to pigs because we got other pigs that got to be fed as well. Yeah, I, I, listen, it's, it's, a, it's a fine line here. You know, the first thing I wanted to say to Mike Brown is, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, yeah, you're, some guys are going to fall by the wayside. They might not get as much money as, you, you know, they want, whatever else. Hey, but, you know, it's a good problem to have. They got talent on that football team. Mike Brown and, and you know, the, the front office, the scouting department, the coach, they've, they've proven they can draft young talent and kind of keep it going there here. So that's what they're going to have to rely on a little bit. But, yeah, this Burrow thing's interesting, Mike. I mean, it really is. You know, one – I feel like Burrow, you know, out of these top quarterbacks we're talking about, and I don't know, this is just gut feeling. I feel like he's got the most business sense or knows how much he's worth to a franchise a little bit, you know, maybe more than the other guys or or more into that. I feel like he would be into it more than maybe some of the other guys, and I don't mean that in a negative way. But I do wonder how, you know, these contracts affect this whole thing. You know, I got to think whether the Herbert thing happened or not, right? They're in the ballpark of this money already in their conversations. Now, what I think could be interesting is what if they are in a ballpark that's, you know, a little bit bigger? What if they've been talking about numbers about 57, 58 million a year, right? That's to me where this can make the Burrow thing a little dicey too. Does he want to look like the guy that just totally blows everybody out of the market and it looks like a little bit like, hey, yeah, okay, I'm the man and we can't keep everybody, right? You know, because I do think between Herbert, Josh Allen, and Mahomes' contracts, 
You know, they're not, they're team friendly in a lot of ways. Like we just discussed with Herbert, it's seven years. Mahomes, of course, Allen, of course. I think that puts a little pressure on Burrow not to look too greedy, for lack of a better way to say it, Mike. And there's nothing wrong with being greedy, like you said, but it's a real thing in, in the football world. Well, and it comes back to the argument I've been making for years now. Kirk Cousins tried to do it. Darrell Revis tried to do it. The league has consistently slammed the door on it. But the best way to do an ultra-long-term deal that is a win-win, that protects everyone, is to tie the compensation to a percentage of the salary cap. Now, the problem is we've seen this with Jalen Hurts, 51, highest-paid player in league history. Now, Joe Burrow, not Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, jumping Lamar Jackson with $52.5 million. You know, there's a way to package and calculate that you can – have this huge headline, and then you get to the truth. And the truth is there may be some issues with these deals, and they may become obsolete sooner rather than later. That's part of the concern, and I think that's what Burrow is naturally and should be concerned about, justifiably. Yeah. Like you said, he's very sensitive to the business realities. Hey, I'll sign up for life here as long as I know I'm protected against the reality that the cap keeps going up and the market keeps going up. I mean, Patrick Mahomes was the standard bearer just three years ago at $45 million per year. And now the top of the market is $7.5 million more than what Mahomes is getting to the point where it is becoming glaring. I, and I'm, I'm amazed. And I, the Chiefs fans get so pissed at me when I point this out. But I, I like to see greatness rewarded. I don't like to see greatness taken advantage of. Patrick Mahomes is the greatest player we've ever seen. And I don't care if he's okay with it. It's wrong for him to be getting $7.5 million less than Justin Herbert. And it's wrong for him to be getting $6 million less per year than Jalen Hurts. It's just wrong. He's yeah. better than both of them. He's the best right now. And he and Burrow should be getting the most. And maybe it's when Burrow finally gets his that Mahomes swoops in and shoots past all of them. Yeah. And I heard that earlier this year. It's going to happen before week one. Right. Let's see what Herbert does. Let's see what Burrow does. And here comes Mahomes. But the first step is Burrow. And I'm telling you, the fairest way to lock these guys up to contracts over the ultra-long term is by guaranteeing their compensation will go up with the cap. I've also heard another way to do it would be to tie it to the franchise tag, or not just the base franchise tag, but the five highest-paid players Uh, at the position. So it keeps going up that way. So as others go past you, you get lifted with them as you're under contract for 10 or 12 years. But but it's only fair, folks. It's only fair. And I know people say, oh, they signed their contract. Oh, oh, quit, quit trying to help these guys. Why are you trying to help these guys? Because, look, behind all of this, are a bunch of billionaires floating around on their super yachts. Everybody's getting paid. Everybody's kicking ass. Everybody's doing well. I want the guys who are out there putting their literal lives on the line to be fairly compensated for what they bring. We're not tuning in for the cutaways of Jerry Jones and Robert Kraft in the owner's suite. We're tuning in to watch what the guys do on the field. Yeah, 100%. You're right. And, you know, I I mean, I I would think at some point something like that's going to be done. I don't know if that's going to happen now. It might take a few more years of us banging the table and people knocking at the door and and yelling and, and trying to get, you know, guys to get a percentage of the cap or whatever. You know, you're right. Hey, there's coaches in college and the NFL, you know, college, especially. I remember when I was at Texas, 
I mean, Mac Brown had a thing in his deal that he had to be one of the five highest paid coaches in football. So, oh, wait, this guy got this money. This guy got this money. This guy, well, Mac's going to get more money. He's going to be in the top five. I believe Nick Saban has a similar thing in his contract or did at least at one time. So, yeah, it'll be interesting, Mike. I don't know where it's going to go, but we know Burrow's coming down the pipe here. And, yeah, I'm going to be interested to see what he does. I, I do feel like he's business savvy and understands his worth. And, of course, his worth to that team and that organization that, come on, let's be real, was the bottom of the NFL. And now we go, damn, they're cool. Look at them. Damn, I want to buy their jerseys. Damn, that was an ugly uniform three years ago. Now it's the coolest uniform yeah, in football. Good now. Yeah, right. So now. it's, I mean, that's his worth is, it's phenomenal where it is. You know, and I don't know, Mike, as I sit here and talk about this and on the heels of our running back conversation, conversation maybe at some point this whole quarterback market goes somewhere where they don't count totally against the salary cap you know like you said they're worth the game even though it's it's crazy money I mean, you're right. We're turning in on Monday Night Football to watch Mahomes Allen or, you know, Allen and Burrow. I mean, that's what we're, oh, man, we got to watch this. That's all we talk about all week. And there is great worth there. But uh, the owners are going to dig their foot in in that department, and and they're never going to make that easy as far as that goes. If the commissioner's making 60, 65, 70 million a year. Yeah, that's exactly right. The best quarterbacks, the folks we're tuning in to watch should be making that much too. Right. It's only right. fair for what they do and what they give of their lives and their bodies and themselves to the sport. You mentioned the running backs, and I'm going to do a quick right turn here, but I'm going to bring it all back together, yeah, cool. hopefully. All right, cool. I've seen some blowback on social media from people in the media kind of looking down their noses at this effort by running backs to come together and agitate yeah, and try to come up with a solution. This kind of is sneering, a condescending, there's nothing you can do. And in reality, there isn't a whole lot they can do to change the system because the system is rigged against them. And it's not going to be easy to get the union on board with a change that would help only the running backs because it hurts players at other positions. Then you got to get the league to agree to it. But here's where I think it's extremely beneficial that the running backs are working together to generate attention to their plight. Because this isn't a new problem. This has been hanging around for 15 years. Yeah. And now that the running backs are pissed off and talking to each other and complaining about it, all of a sudden everybody knows about it now. And I hope, Chris, that this is the bridge toward getting to the point where the average fan doesn't just complain about all the money these guys are making. Can you believe how much money they're making? Oh, they're making more than me, so they're making too much. Well, let's understand where they are, how they fit, what they do, how their lives change when they can't get out of bed during football season. Yeah, let alone the when they're they 45 years old. Right. And then when they're done and yeah. their legs pointing in three different directions, right. they can't walk right. right. I mean, let, th- this, I think, is going to end up being, in hindsight, maybe the moment where more people just accept the fact that it's okay for these guys to try to do what they can to get paid. And when they try to use the system to turn it around against the team, you know, one of the things I've been arguing is if you got a franchise tag player who's stuck on that one-year deal because the deadline, that stupid deadline's come and gone, and you get to the end of the regular season – and the window opens on a long-term deal, why not say to the team, I ain't playing in the playoffs unless you give me my long-term deal? Yeah. yeah. What yep. would have been unthinkable a few years ago, now that we're talking about it and understanding the situation and understanding the system and how it screws the players, 
maybe, maybe there will be support, not disdain, if a guy ever does that. And that's my point. Yeah. As players try to work the business in their favor, when the business is rigged against them through CBA after CBA after CBA, that makes it harder for them individually to get absolute maximum compensation. Maybe when they try to get maximum compensation now, fans and media won't won't wag a finger. They'll they'll do a little golf clap for them when they're taking advantage of the rights they have under the labor deal. Uh, well, I, I mean, I would hope so. You know, and it, you know, done right. You know, done, you know, the the right way. And I guess, you know, with the certain business ethics and the way the NFL is right now. Yeah. I, and we're going to support them. We are. Yeah. It's a dirty business. And I, yeah, I, I, I'm, you know, I know you and I, we get exhausted about talking about this. It's crazy. You know, we're in a country where a bunch of low class or middle class people at times, they don't like the oligarchs and how rich they are. And then here we are. Oh, wait, the working class, middle class, low class guys about to get paid and we're mad he's going to get paid and we want the oligarch and the rich guy to keep being richer. I, it doesn't make sense. It does not at all. I don't understand it, why the fans take that side. I understand their loyalties to the uniform and the logo and all that. you know. But, yeah, uh, I, I think with what we're talking about, yeah, players might have to get a little down and dirty here. And they're going to have to look like jerks every now and then, maybe to the public. But that's where you and I and hopefully some of the other people in the media can stick up for them and continue to explain the situation to the fans who don't quite get it. It's almost like the fans regard the owners as a different species from a different planet. They, like they, they have a status them, that none right. of us can, they, they can never, we can never aspire to attain the wealth of them. So we're never going to resent them because we can't even begin to comprehend what they have, but we do resent just the average Joe among the rest of us that gets plucked out that happens to have God-given talent like they don't bust their asses to get the most out of it. But this guy's elbow to elbow with us, and he's the one who gets chosen to make 10, 12, 15 million a year. We're going we're gonna to hate him, and we're going to give the billionaires a pass. It's just – it's such a bizarre – Dynamic. Well, like Pete, Pete was in my conversations ear. Yeah. People. Pete's in my ear, Go Mikey, that's just you're saying it. And he's going, I like when my players take less. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. Great. I know. But oh, yeah. it's, it's them sacrificing their lives. It doesn't make it right. Right. That, that's where, yeah. You're, yeah. Pete just said, he goes, I'm a jerk. And he's right. He's a jerk for that. <laughs> no, but I understand. He didn't it. say jerk. Thank it, you yeah, for self I know. Yeah. But he's, you know, we're, we're all that way. But I think if we yeah. could sit down in a quiet room and really unpack the details and think about it, yeah, we shouldn't be that way, or at least shouldn't be mad when the player goes, wait, wait, I got four years of making money here, and my greatest gift I have on the planet is my physical ability, and this is my chance to capitalize, and that's where I got to go with it, and you know, that's the fight we're fighting here for the players against the NFL, and you know, we'll continue to do that. And Pete, let me just say this, simply because Chris edited the word that you used, my standing rule still is in effect. If you feed me profanity in the ear, profanity's coming out the other He's end. Ron right. Burgundy? Right. That's what you uh, say. So, uh, you put in the teleprompter, yeah. he's reading it, all right? All right. Uh, here's something else that's in the teleprompter. And, and I caught wind of this last night just kind of accidentally. Mm -hmm. When the Packers traded Aaron Rodgers to the Jets, Aaron Rodgers, who, you know, is Completely pissed off at the Green Bay front office and makes no bones about it. Did them a favor. He moved his entire $58.3 million guaranteed option bonus from 2023 to 2024. It reduced the cap charge out the door 
for Aaron Rodgers, and it gave Aaron Rodgers a ridiculously low salary and cap number of $1.165 million with the Jets. And every time I hear people say, oh, the Jets have $25 million in cap space. Well, yeah, but they still got to figure out how much they're paying Aaron Rodgers the next year. this year. Yeah, right. Because next year, it's $107.55 million, given the fact that that option bonus got kicked over by a year. I'm told that as of last night, there's an agreement in place, not signed yet, but an agreement in place between the Jets and Rodgers to balance out those two numbers, the 1.165 and the 107.55. How, and, and look, he's already said he's staying more than one year, and I think this contract will make it clear he's staying more than one year. What I'm going to be most interested to see, Christopher, is whether or not when you add up 2023 and 2024, it equals the sum of 1.165 and 107.55, or did he take a little bit less as a favor to his new BFFs at the NYJ? I think so. I, you know, I, I'm, I'll be interested too. You know, we know he's the man, and you know, for a period of time, he was underpaid as well. You know, it, it, that's you know, that's another topic in itself. But either way, yeah, I, I, I. I if you if I had a bet, I'm going to say he takes less. You know, to me at this point for Aaron Rodgers, this is more uh, like we saw with Brady and the Bucks. It's legacy related, and you want to make this work. And to make this work is, of course, hey, you got a ton of money in the bank already, and let's let's take a little less right now to make sure the Jets can stay strong. I, I, I would imagine that happening, but you know, I don't know. Maybe some of these numbers he's seeing, some of these other guys get, and whatever else, maybe that'll change his tune. But but I'm expecting a lower number. Well, and. Here's another thing I kind of tripped into last night. And and the first domino that caused me to learn all sorts of stuff I didn't know before dinner time last night, it came from an item that I just happened to notice in an email newsletter I got from Sports Business Journal. Ben Fisher reported that last week when the owners gathered in Minneapolis to approve the sale of the commanders from Daniel Snyder to Josh Harris, that wasn't the only item of business on the docket. The owners also approved a measure that prevents owners individually from giving equity to players or other employees. Clark Hunt, the chair of the Finance Committee, wrote a memo that had eight different reasons why that should be the case. And at the end of the day, they weigh the magic wand, and 32 businesses come together to dictate to each of them what they can and can't do with their equity. I still got a problem with that. I'd like to think the owner of a billion-dollar business can be trusted to make good decisions about who he or she does or doesn't give equity to, But what I learned as the evening progressed, two important names trying to or were planning to try to get equity. I'm told Rogers tried to get New York Jets equity as part of this deal. He's already an owner of 1% of the Milwaukee Bucks, and he's seen that interest go up dramatically with the Haslam's buying 25% of the team. Right. And I'm told by multiple sources that – the Caleb Williams camp has been making it known to potential agents for the NFL experience that he's likely to embark upon next year, that the goal is or was to get equity in the team that makes him the first overall pick in the draft. That ship has now sailed because the league has decided no equity for nobody moving forward. And it's weird because there wasn't any deal like that. They're, they're, they're putting the furniture in front of the door. They, they see well, what's coming. Right. 
and they're not and they're not going to get themselves no, in a position where they have to one. start giving yeah. a piece of ownership that can appreciate and appreciate and appreciate and appreciate and mushroom out of control. They're not going to give that to any players, any coaches, any front office people. They're not giving it to anybody. No, yeah, I mean, listen, I understand that. I think that's a slippery slope. I do. I, I, I you know, the, there's a lot that could go into that conversation. And I got to think the other thing that's playing into this, Mike, Caleb Williams, Aaron Rodgers, and what else that happened this offseason? You know, Tom Brady and the Raiders. And all that going on, I'm sure that was a little bit in the you know in the back of the mind of some of these owners as well, right? So I I, I understand that they're getting out in front of that. I, yeah, I mean, listen, percentage of the salary cap and all that is one thing. Equity or ownership of a team that's a whole different ballpark as far as that's concerned. So you know, hey, Caleb Williams, you're about to get a ton of money. Just kick some butt at USC, and it'll all take care of itself. But yeah, equity, I, I don't see that happening at any time, you know, ever. Well, <laughs> I know it's not now, but well, yeah. well I would have never yeah, said. I they slammed said the door never. on it. Yeah, right, right. Well, but but here's here's where the lawyer brain kicks in. Okay. The league has decided on its own that there will be no equity available to players. Does the CBA not already ban equity or for players? Like why would why would the league need to do it if the CBA prohibited it anyway, at least as it relates to players? So it has me wondering, is this permissible under the CBA? And did they bargain with the NFL Players Association? before slamming the door on the possibility of giving equity to players. And if they didn't, it's got collusion written all over it. It's the kind of thing that the league's not allowed to do. If there is something that teams individually are permitted to do under the labor deal and the league swoops in without negotiating with the union and says, you can't do that, that's collusion per se, on its face, violation. And it'll be interesting to see if the ultra-secretive NFLPA now, which won't say anything to anybody about anything because they view everyone as enemies. It's just bizarre to me. It'll be interesting to see if the NFLPA reacts to this and says, you, NFL, have committed a collective act of collusion by preventing teams from individually deciding to give Aaron Rodgers a piece of the team, to give Joe Burrow a piece of the team, to give Caleb Williams a piece of the team, to give anybody who's a player a piece of the team. That is the next step in this. And, of course, you know, I'm accustomed to stirring things up a little bit. I might or might not be asking the NFLPA about this today to see what they have to say about it. Are you just going to take this? Are you just going to let them do that? What's the world coming to? That's basically what I'm going to (laughs) say. All right, good. Bring it. You know, we got to hear the answers to that that type of stuff. But, yeah, that's one where, I mean, you raised some very interesting questions and points there. I'm with you all the way. But, man, yeah, I don't even know. Even me, you know, pro player over here, and, yeah, I don't know if I could even get behind equity. I think equity and just go, wait, I mean, just think, you know, yeah, Aaron Rodgers for what, two years of service with the New York Jets, and all of a sudden he's going to own, what, 1% of the team, 2% of the team because of that? I, I don't know. That doesn't seem right, uh, and I just can't imagine that happening in, in American sports for the most part altogether. Well, it does create very real salary cap issues when it comes to the valuation yes, of, of the what that team that the right? player would yeah, get. Right, right, right. But, but Chris, at some level, man, there's some appeal to this. There really is. There really is, especially if you want Joe Burrow to be your quarterback for his entire career. 
there's some appeal to the idea of shaving off a tiny little bit of equity, maybe less than a percent. I don't know. But whatever it is, there's a level where it's fair and it can be properly accounted. And and back to my point, if the CBA didn't already prohibit giving equity to players, why does the NFL need to do it in one fell swoop? And did the NFL commit yeah, that's real. a violation yeah. of the labor laws by doing this that they're now going to have to answer to? And um, uh, we'll see how it plays out. All right. Let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, the 49ers start training camp today. There was some confusion yesterday about whether or not Nick Bosa will be in the building. We have the answer to that and what it means for the 49ers as they try to give him a contract that he has deserved for over a year now. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Where Debo was at, I think the last time you guys saw him, showed that his mind was right to get back to that spot, and um, that's what's been real cool with him in these 40 days away. Just seeing him yesterday for the first time. Never had a grown man send me so many pictures with his shirt off, but it looks good. <laughs> um, and I, I, I can tell he's put the work in. Kyle Shanahan making sure that Debo Samuel is ready to go. And remember, Samuel said himself he's not going to let this offseason be a duplication of last offseason. I think with all the turmoil, the distraction, the contract, did he want out, did he not want out, that caused him to maybe slip out of peak physical condition, right, right. didn't have him prepared for the season, and he, he fell off from what he had been the prior year. Looks like there will be no there will be no drop this year. If anything, he's going to get back to what he was in 2021. Yeah, I, I would expect that. I mean, we know. We've been around him, right? He's highly motivated. He's a no-nonsense, no-BS type of guy. I don't think he was happy with his performance last year. And, yeah, all those things that led up to it. That's why, hey, we're beating the table for Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley. Get there. Be your best. You know, do what you got to do. Right, it, it's hard when you got all this stuff going on off the field to be at your best. And yeah, I don't think Samuel was totally tip top, hundred percent in shape to what he can be, and that led to injuries and him having to fight through stuff like that. Forty uh, Niners are a team on a mission, and yeah, that's cool. Again, you know, there's another inside look of like you know what I look at there, and, and Shanahan made some other comments that I know we're going to talk about. Just he's got the relationship he has with his players is is special in my opinion as compared to other coaches in the NFL and just that kind of stuff we're talking about there your star receiver there you're texting with him all the time he's sending you pictures working out doing this doing that you know Shanahan has a touch with the players that's uh, very special and and part of their success there 
You know, I carry around in my cell phone device the numbers of more than a few yeah. NFL coaches and general managers. I don't have Kyle Shanahan, so I'm going to make an offer to you because I assume you do. If you give me Kyle Shanahan's number and if I agree to send him a shirtless photo of myself, <laughs> would you do that trade? I'll, I, I would at least I would text him. To just see if he want he wants to do it, I, uh, I'll text him at least. But you know, I don't think that's the way for me to get his number. It's probably not. I don't think he's gonna want to see fifty eight year old man no. shirtless. I don't think anybody wants to see no. that. No, and nor except any... in those commercials where they 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 give the get you know they give the guys steroids and then they they try to sell some supplement, to, uh, you know, to to get yourself into great shape at age sixty. Yeah, right. We don't want to see that. He doesn't want. He doesn't. And I can't do that to him. You know, you and your making up some kidding. crazy head. Do lines and do it all. I won't that do crap it to him. To him. <laughs> I won't do it to him. Okay. <laughs> he knows how to find me if he ever wants to find me. That's fine. The ones who have wanted to find me in the past have found me, and sometimes it's good. And sometimes it's not good. Yeah. Sometimes the phone calls I get are not pleasant. Sometimes the text messages I receive are not flowery. But that's fine. I can take it. I can dish it out, and I can indeed take it. Nick Bose has been dishing out great performances over the years. He has yet to take his generational payday. It apparently is coming. Here's both John Lynch, the GM of the 49ers, and Kyle Shanahan from yesterday talking about Bosa, who is holding out in kind of the most low-key way ever, ever because it wasn't even clear after they met with the media that he's holding out. Listen to what they said. I've seen various players, have not seen Nick. And, you know, I, I would expect he's not here to start off. Um, we're, we're working. We're having really good communication with Brian Ayrault. He's got good, competent, and, and you know, um, people we have an immense amount of respect for um, working for him. And we're working diligently to try to, uh, to come to an agreement. Um, I think the challenges, you're talking about a real special player, you're talking about one of the better players in the league, you could argue that could simplify things, but I think at times it's just finding that sweet spot and where the right spot, and we're committed to uh, to working towards that. Do you expect him to practice, get on the field and practice with his teammates without a new contract? I wouldn't. That would surprise me. Shanahan also said that Nick Bosa is not subject to the $50,000 per day fine that Chris Jones right. is subject to. Yeah, I saw that. Occurring every day because Bosa is still under his rookie contract and he's in his fifth year option. I looked it up in the CBA, though. While Shanahan is right that it's not a $50,000 per day fine, it is $40,000 per day for Nick Bosa. And if you skip preseason games as a player under your fifth year option, you can be fined the amount of a full game check. But the difference is this. The 49ers can waive all of it if they want to. It becomes non-waivable uh, so once is. you're on your second contract. Right. So the 49ers could – and it, they don't seem pissed. They don't Not seem upset. Just the fact that Lynch was willing to say we're talking about a special player, one of the better players in the NFL, usually that's the kind of thing that the agents love to hear because yeah. that allows you to get more. They already know. They already know. Everybody knows yeah. what they're dealing with. That's here. right. They're dealing with – one of the best, if not the best, pass rushers in the entire NFL. They're going to have to pay him, and if they don't want to pay him, somebody else will, so they should just trade him. And I get the impression that it's just a matter of working it out at this point. That's right. Because I don't get the sense that there is acrimony and frustration and that Bosa is being unreasonable. They know that if you've got a talent like that and you want to keep him long term, you got to fork over the money. And this is one of the positions, just like quarterbacks, quarterback and pass rusher, yeah. those are the two most important 
you, you've got to go ahead and pay the money, and I fully expect that they will, and Bosa will become the highest-paid defensive player in league history. I, I mean, I, yeah, it's another one where it's just like, yeah, duh. It's just a matter of time. It really is. I mean, it, he, he embodies everything they want in San, in San Francisco. You know, one, he, he was, like you said, under the radar, respectful. He could have asked for a contract last year. He could have and made things life hard, life hard on the, the San Francisco 49ers. So I'm sure he won respect within the organization and the front office and Shanahan, you know, right there. Let alone, like we talk about with the type of players he has out there anyways and what Lynch and Shanahan have accumulated, right? You know, a bunch of psychos in a good way. It's it's, it's football, football, eat football, work out football, and then, oh, coach, you want me to run through the wall? No problem, coach, I'll do it. I mean, that's what they got. Bosa, he he is that. He's the perfect niner. And, you know, like you said, you know, I know they got a new defensive coordinator in there this year, but the scheme they were in, he was truly imperative to making that work, and he is arguably the best defensive player in football. I mean, we're at that point where Aaron Donald's going down and we're seeing Micah Parsons and, and Miles Garrett and, and Nick Bosa. They're on an upward trajectory. And, yeah, to me, Mike, I mean, I, I'm expecting him to be the highest-paid defensive player, right? You're, I'm expecting this guy to one-up Aaron Donald. At least that's, that's what I expect to hear over the next month at some point. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And he's got that $17.9 million that he's due to make this year. So he'll probably do a five-year extension. We'll hear about the new money average, but it'll be the 17.9 as part of it as well. But it's just a matter of time. He will eclipse TJ Watt. He will eclipse Aaron Donald and his $31.6667 million per year deal. He'll get to, I would assume, 32 when you factor in the new money and you do the calculation. And, and it's a no-brainer. Now, you know, you mentioned Micah Parsons. I think you mentioned Micah Parsons. I did. Parsons. I did. Yeah. The, the Cowboys the Cowboys are one season away cuz of of all the players that you and I have encountered face to face, Micah Parsons is the most business savvy Definitely. of all of them yeah. already and he's only got 2 years in the NFL. Yeah. They're going to have a hell of a problem next year with Micah Parsons cuz Micah Parsons is going to refuse to put a helmet on for anything after the window opens on his long-term deal. He's going to make it clear. And he's going to want to be paid more than Nick Bosa or any other defensive player, and he will deserve it. Until then, though, the Cowboys have another issue. They can expect Micah Parsons to be a contractual challenge for them in a year. They have a challenge with Zach Martin, Pro Bowl and future Hall of Fame guard, who we reported yesterday. We didn't report. We passed along the reality that He had not been on the plane to Oxnard for the start of training camp. He ultimately did not report. Jerry Jones, who will talk about anything, did not talk about Zach Martin. Here's the basic reality, and I have the contract. He did a restructuring back in March. He signed it. It wasn't an automatic restructuring. So many contracts now have the ability for the team to do that, move money around and give the guy a big signing bonus and cut down his cap number, and you just do it automatically. He actually signed the deal to restructure his contract is odd. this year. Yeah. I'm, I'm astounded that it wasn't a problem then, but it is a problem now. I, 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 what, what was it that kicked it off or all of a sudden made it a, an issue? You know, was there a contract that happened this offseason that made him realize that finally? Or did he just sit here and, you know, just go, wait, Okay, wait. I, I tried to be the good teammate or whatever else, but I'm seeing what everybody else is making, and I'm I'm still one of the best in my position, and I'm being underpaid. 
I mean, I, I don't know. It is a little odd when you kind of lay it out in, in, in that scenario there. You know, but, but regardless, like we hit yesterday, he's still one of the best guards in football. He is being underpaid. I'm not saying he's got to be the highest paid. I don't, he's not as good as some of the top guards in football anymore. But he's right there with them. And I would expect him to be, you know, in that Elgin, Elgin Jenkins, you know, Quentin Nelson type of money exchange here at some point. And I don't think Dallas has any choice. They're going to have to sweeten the pot for this guy. Now, one of the realities, because I'm trying to understand why now. Remember when Ezekiel Elliott held out four years ago? He had been at the offseason program. So it was kind of like he pulled the rug out from under the Joneses and it kind of left them all rattled. And the fact that it leaves Jerry Jones silent, that's rattled for Jerry Jones. Sure. That, if Jerry Jones has nothing to say, something is wrong because he's got something to say about everything and we love him for that. But to go silent, they didn't see this coming. So maybe that was the strategy. Let's get them when they least expect it. Because the other side of the coin is they're coming to you for cap relief in March. That's your time to say, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. You want me to do something for you, and all you're doing is taking my salary and making most of it a signing bonus and giving it to me now. No, no, no. Give me more now. And, and, and I'll still give you cap relief. You still have a lower cap number. And I'll be paid more fairly, and we can all go forward together arm-in-arm, hand-in-hand. That would have been the time to do it. But to the extent that you want to rattle them to the point of Jerry Jones falling silent, this is the time to do it. Yeah, I, I, I hear that. I mean, there's definitely, you know, the hot poker gets put on Jerry Jones and, and company here when you do it this way. And it's pressure. And we know Dallas is feeling the pressure anyways. Jerry wants that, you know, playoff wins, Super Bowl appearance, whatever here. And I'm, I'm, this is an interesting one too. Again, yeah, it's a guy. It's it's your ten of his career, right? I mean, you're gonna pay him top dollar going forward you know, at a position that we know is brutal. And hey, it can change in a hurry. Now he's a guy that's gonna argue and go, wait, I haven't really missed any time ever, except what a few games. What was that? Two, three years ago. Other than that, the guy's been you know a model player, citizen. Availability's been top notch. Right. So I, you know, I, 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 there's got to be a middle ground here, two, three year extension, big signing bonus, something like that. But yeah, Dallas has got some uh, problems on the horizon here. Yeah, absolutely. One problem they did solve, though, and, and by the way, Martin falls into the category of $50,000 per day non-waivable fines. So, you know, the easy answer to that is I'll just get that money back through whatever raise I get, but it is money that has to be accounted for that can no longer be waived. Martin falls into that that bucket. Uh, they did take care of a problem yeah. contractually. Trayvon yeah. Diggs, the brother of Stephon Diggs, signs a five-year extension worth $97 million with incentives that could push the total value to $104 million with a $21.25 million signing bonus. It doesn't put him at the at the high end, at the top of the market, but he's in the upper reaches, the upper echelon as we would say, or echelons, as you would say, mm-hmm. of the cornerback market at almost $20 million a year in new money. We'll get the full breakdown on that one, too, and post it at PFT. But, you know, this was one that, that they had to take care of. And, and I know that there's plenty of criticism. He's boom or bust. He either intercepts the ball or gives up a touchdown. But still, he's an impact player for the Cowboys' defense, and they need to find a way to keep him around. Yeah, right, right. Like we talked about, like, with, you know, with Dalvin Cook and Saquon Barkley, right, where you go, like, oh, there's only a, number, a few number of guys that can just go, here's the ball, and they can go for a 70-yard touchdown. Trayvon Diggs is the same way. Yeah, he gets beat from time to time. Okay, 
There's no doubt. He also gets put in some of the most incredible positions, you know, in the sport. I mean, they are literally, he is a guy where they go, oh, wait, that's their best receiver. You just go get him. So you're going to have some bad plays. And he's gotten better with the boomer bust prospect of his game altogether. He is definitely one of the top five corners in the game, and he is dangerous as hell, and he's the kind of guy that a quarterback is always like, oh, I don't know if I want to throw over there at that guy because he will take a chance and guess, let alone his hands are incredible. So, you know, good for the Cowboys, good for Diggs. Diggs is a baller that way. And, Mike, I mean, I I think this is just going to be, to me, the big thing about this contract. It might be a little low on the average year salary and everything like that. But this is, to me, the future of the NFL. This is where the teams, I think, got to pick it up a little bit. We've seen it with the, you know, star, star players. But you want to balance this checkbook the right way. Some of these guys, you know after year, year two, they're, they're the man, and they're going to be good for you for five or six years. And I know you can't do the contract to year three, but just get it done early. Guys want, oh, you're going to give me money right now? Boom, boom, boom. Okay, I'll sign up. You know that. These are guys a lot of the times have come from nothing, and now you're going to dangle $20 million to sign here and some long-term security. They'll take a little less maybe than their market value to get that money in hand right now. And I think it's something we're going to see teams continue to do as we go forward here. And it reminds me of what the Eagles used to do to their detriment. They would identify those great young players after two years and sign them to ridiculously long-term deals. Sean Andrews was one of them. Mike Patterson was one of them. And and it's great because you get your reward, but then after three or four years, you're like – yeah, I'm getting screwed yeah, here. Right. The markets passed me by. The salary cap keeps going up. And, and the Eagles' attitude was, you signed a contract, mister. The Eagles were like all those fans out there. You signed a contract. You have to honor your contract. And it's just not the way the, the, the world works. All right. Uh, uh, by the way, right tackle Titus Howard has agreed to a three-year extension, reportedly, with the Houston Texans. Oh, wow. All right. Good for him. It's not good. quite as sexy as the other stuff we've talked about today, but at least we're checking the box. The Houston Texans still do exist, and we acknowledge the fact that they are part of the National Football League. They hey. have not been relegated yeah. yet. Hey, and they're on the upswing. They got C.J. Stroud. That's right. That running back, Damian Pierce, is, is, he's, he's sexy and awesome, right? They're O-line. They got some tools they're, there. They're no longer yeah. the most dysfunctional team in the NFL. The Cardinals hold that title now. So congratulations, <laughs> Texans. You're... 31 and rising. <laughs> you're a jerk. Yeah, but good for them. That's right. He, he's a good player. Am I, am I wrong? No, no, am you're I right. Wrong? You're right. Like I, I said lie? yesterday, right. I think they're the only team in the AFC that I would say definitely not going to make the playoffs, right? Now watch them make a run and do something. But either God, way, I hope they make yeah, the playoffs. Know, that would be great, God, right? I hope they make the playoffs now. <laughs> but they're O-line, and we know, hey, they're running that Shanahan system. they got a defensive coach. He's going to want to make running the ball a priority. Howard, Laramie Tunzel, got some guys on the inside that are pretty good. Yeah, the Texans, uh, I, I would expect them to be a pain in the butt in the run game and hard to stop in that department. Pete, mark the tape. 0800 hours and four minutes, 25 July, 2023. Chris Sims wrote the check. <laughs> Texans will not make the playoffs. If they are alive as week 18 approaches, Ooh, I'll be nervous. Back <laughs> on an edition of BFT Live. Let's go, Texans. Love you, dark blue. All right, uh, we'll take a break. Some good health news for both a current, former, or a current. I screwed that up. It was it was, so well it it was some pretty good news. Dip 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 Some good news for a current 49ers quarterback and a former 49ers quarterback. We'll tell you about that next year on PFT Live. 
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.